God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and that it's active and that it's sharper than any double-edged sword. God, we pray today that you would use this word to change us, to challenge us, and to convict us. Father, we pray that we would not leave here the same way that we came. Lord, that we would leave changed by the power of your word and the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Samuel chapter 5. Then all the tribes of Israel came to David at Hebron and spoke, saying, Indeed, we are, bone, we are your bone and flesh. Also, in time past, when Saul was king over us, you were the one who led Israel out and brought them in. And the Lord said to you, You shall shepherd my people Israel and be ruler over Israel. Therefore, all the elders of Israel came to the king at Hebron, and King David made a covenant with them at Hebron before the Lord. And they anointed David king over Israel. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years. In Hebron, he reigned over Judah seven years and six months. And in Jerusalem, he reigned 33 years over all Israel and Judah. What's going on in this story, folks? This is the culmination of King David becoming king. Now, if you're just joining us, let me give you a quick recap. I always have to recap. King Saul was king over Israel, and then David was told he was going to be king, and then Saul found out that David was going to be king, so he tried to kill King David. And this was most of 1 Samuel, where uh, Saul, is, uh, Saul, is going after, uh, uh, Saul is going after David, and then he's running from him, and then everybody says, we well, should kill Saul because he's trying to kill you. And David said, no, I won't do it. And so then uh, Saul dies, and then David's supposed to become king, but the kingdom is split. Ishbosheth becomes king of Israel. David becomes king of Judah that lasts seven years. And so now, in this moment, after a really long time, David is finally king. Now, for those of you that have been with us for the last year and a half, as we've uh, preached through 1 Samuel, and now we're starting off 2 Samuel, there should be a sense of excitement, a, a sense of arrival, because this is what we've been waiting for. This is what we've been working towards. Now, us, we've just been waiting a year and a half and some change working towards this, but David was waiting for a really long time before he became king over Israel. Now I will tell you, I am great with waiting. As long as it's right now. As I grow, my patience is improving. Thank you. I needed some of those shallow amens. <laughs> for those of you that have known me for a long time, and, I, and my wife will tell you, I've I become a bit more patient as I've gotten older. Uh, my, my patience wasn't that strong when I was a younger man. But if you're a man like me that is not the most patient person, you understand what it means when I say that we have to wait. And there's a lot of things that people wait for. People wait for jobs and relationships to improve, for sickness to go away, for spiritual growth, for a promotion, for a change in a living situation. All of those things are real and a part of our lives, are they not? And then we live like Christians and sometimes it feels as though giving up would be easier. I mean, let's be honest, man, like living for Jesus in this day and age, I, I, I'm, I'm doing it and I'm, but, but I have those moments where I get tired of waiting. I just want to give up and go live like the devil. Some days I ask the Holy Spirit if I can just have one day off a year. Does anybody ever have that prayer? I just need, Lord, just give me 24 hours, man. Just 24 hours where I don't have to be a Christian. I could take care of all my frustrations for the year. I wouldn't sleep that day. 
spent all 24 hours. I'd have a plan. I'd have it all written out. Anybody else? The sermon's for you. Amen. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Why are we talking about waiting this morning? Because King David knew how to wait. He was, he was a waiting king. This, we read this very succinctly and say, great, he's king. But there was years of a process that led up to this period where David become, became king. And so we can't just quickly come to it and say like, yay, he's king, fantastic. And not forget everything that happened leading up to this process of him becoming king. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 5, 4, that David was 30 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 40 years We read this stuff in a matter of minutes and years have passed over time. And today is the day where we read about him becoming king. See, the first thing I want to talk about this morning is that David didn't know the timeline. Right right here, this this moment is the culmination of 15 years uh, uh, before where he was spoken of. He was 15 years old when he was told he was going to become king. So he did 15 years. And then uh, when he was 23, uh, that's when Saul died. And then he had seven years of civil war. And then now he becomes king. So we've gone through 15 years of waiting before this happened. First Samuel 16, 12 and 13. I want to show you this. It says, so he sent him and brought him in, David. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, honey, doesn't that remind you of somebody? And uh, I said, arise and anoint him for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forth. So Samuel rose and went to Ramah. We went through this last year talking about David becoming king. And he was 15 years old at that time. Can you imagine being 15 uh, 15 years old knowing that you're going to be king? And in your teen years being chased by the current king trying to kill you? It's literally the equivalent if you're a 15-year-old and and someone says, you're going to be president one day and the current president tries to kill you. It would be hard, would it not, to be that age and, and, and have to go through that. And that's what David had to go through. Saul died when David was 23. He was king of Judah for seven years during the civil war. And today we see the culmination of the prophecies and plans of God to make David king. Make no mistake, folks, as, as we've walked through this, as we've looked through this uh, scripture over the last couple years, It took a long time for him to become king. It took a long time for people to believe in him. It took a long time for all of this to come together. You can go and read in in 1 Chronicles 11, all the people that were there at his coronation. Uh, 2 Samuel shows it very succinctly. But it was a, a lot of people that came together that originally didn't believe that he was going to be king. He didn't know the timeline. A lot of people in the Bible didn't know the timeline of God's deliverance. God is is a God of waiting. He's a God that is fine with people having to wait for a while. Do you remember this gal, Sarah, who was promised a child in Genesis 18? Took a while, but she had a child. The woman with the issue of blood had suffered for 12 years in Mark chapter 5. Lazarus had been dead for four days before he was healed. The man at the pool in John 5 had been there for 38 years. 38 years. Joseph got sold as a slave by his brothers and had to wait Job had patience. The Bible is filled with people that had to wait. 
The Bible says in Lamentations 3.25, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. God makes it clear that he has no problem with his people waiting. He does not care. (laughs) Sadly. Amen? Amen? Are you guys not with me? Are you guys like, we all have patience and this sermon is for you, Pastor. Let's get into what it means to you. Are you overly concerned with the timeline? This is the Christmas season, the season of arrival. And our people, they waited thousands of years to see the promise of King David and the Messiah. And we can't seem to handle the long week because we're weak. We want everything right now. See, when Jesus came on the scene, Jesus came on the scene, right? It had been about 4,000 years since creation. That's 4,000 years from original sin, 2,500 years from the great flood, 2,085 years since Abram was promised descendants when Jesus came on the scene. 2,081 years since God's covenant with Abraham, 1,525 years since the birth of Moses, 1,446 years since the Exodus, the commandments and the law, 1,406 years since Joshua, 1,100 since the birth of Samuel. In uh, uh, 1,024 years later, uh, earlier, David had killed Goliath. It's 1,003 years before Jesus that David is made king. Kingdom is divided 931 years before Jesus. 730 years before Jesus is born. Isaiah says, for unto you a child is born. (laughs) 730 years. In 595 years before Jeremiah prophesies, 593 Ezekiel prophesies, 586 Jerusalem falls, 539 Daniel prophesies, the word of the Lord comes to Malachi 430 years before Jesus. For 400 years there's a break where God doesn't speak before Jesus comes on the scene waiting for the arrival of the king. Folks, we live in great times. But we, because we never have to wait for anything, we want everything right now. We are the worst generation of waiters that you've ever seen. You literally don't have to leave your house and you can order any food that you want. If you have a means of production within your home, you could live the rest of your life. You can get groceries and sundries, all these things delivered. You never have to leave. And we're the most complaining people there is. Oh my gosh, I got to do laundry. I have to bend at the waist and put a pile in a box and push a button. I got to do dishes. You don't do dishes. The machine does them. You just have to put them in there. But if you're anything like me, you're standing in front of the microwave saying, why does popcorn take two minutes and 30 seconds? Come on, man. They put men on the moon. Can't they get this thing done in 30 or 40 seconds? See, some of you young whippersnappers don't understand what it was like. When we were kids, we had it rough, right? If you had a video you wanted to watch, you had to watch this thing called MTV. And you'd spend all Saturday waiting for that video to come on, right? Your friends would call you like, you want to hang out? I'm waiting for my video. If you want to hang out, come over and you can wait with me. We're just waiting for Thriller to come on. It'll be so exciting. Crystal and I, when we first got married, and I remember I got deployed, 
And, uh, dude, I would send a letter from Bosnia. It'd take a week to get her. She'd get the letter and she'd take another week for it to come back. It's like two weeks to be able to speak to each other. Now we send people a text. Like, and we want to meet, like, I, I don't know if you know this, but everyone, including myself, I don't, th- this is not how I live my life. Okay. What took you so long to text me back? Maybe I was showering, taking a nap, having a meal, watching a movie, talking to a human. Doing something. Don't you remember people used to send you an email and then call you? Hey, did you get my email? Has God spoken things to you that haven't come to pass that you're waiting to see happen? See, David was a man that knew how to wait. Psalm chapter 40. I waited, for, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He also brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my steps. He has put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many will see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. It gives you such a greater context for the book of Psalms after you understand the life of David because he can talk about waiting and patience because he had to wait. He had to grow patience inside of him. Friend, God hears your prayers. He knows what you've asked for. He knows that you need it. And he knows that you're waiting, but he's completely fine with you waiting. He's totally fine with you waiting. Leviticus 26.4 says, Then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce, and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Friend, grow grow some patience. Forget about the timeline. Be faithful. Wait to be king. It will come. Your timeline is not God's timeline. This is for somebody today. Prophetically, God put this word in my heart to speak to someone who's losing endurance that doesn't have the patience to see it through. I want you to hear the word of the Lord today. And it's wait. It's okay. Just wait. God's timeline is not your timeline. Quit putting a a time stamp and saying, well, if it doesn't happen by here, if it doesn't happen by here, just do it and wait for God's timeline. Many of you know Jeremiah 29, 11, right? Oh, you guys love that verse. Some of y'all probably have it tattooed on your body. Behold the plans I have for you. I mean, you heard this verse a hundred times, right? For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And people love that verse. It gives them a sense of encouragement and hope that they can get through something and that God is walking through them. But like a lot of places in the Bible, they forget the context. See, verse 10 says, For thus says the Lord, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, (coughs) I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. See, people want the Jeremiah 29, 11 without the 29, 10 waiting. Yes. 70 years. Year two, he's probably like, hope in a future. Where's that thing at, man? Year seven, year 10, year 20, 30, 40, 50, 60. Some of y'all can't wait for nothing. Checking your phone at a stoplight, and I'm behind you honking, saying, Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> See, David didn't know the process. 
He didn't know the timeline, but he also didn't know the process. He didn't know how he was going to become king. See, if, if David had lived today, the day after Samuel anointed him, he would send a tweet to all of his friends, let him know, hey man, I just became king. And then he would live stream himself walking into Saul's chambers like, check me out, dudes, I'm king. And if Saul hadn't let go of the kingdom, he would have called up his lawyer and said, hey, I'm supposed to be king. Let's get this guy out of here. Because right now, come on, you said I was going to be king. Let's go. And if Saul didn't give it up, he'd trash him publicly on social media, invite the news, shame him into subjection until he got what he thought he deserved. Touch somebody and say, this is for you. But that wasn't God's process. There was stuff that David would have to walk through. David spent years as a shepherd boy. Years as a shepherd boy. And talk about David being a man after God's own heart. Again, the the, the contrast between today. People people just can't wait, man. I think David's out there as a shepherd boy being like, shepherd boy, be king. (laughs) Step back. He spent years in service to Saul and then years running for him from him and then years in a civil war before becoming king. And I'm getting now David wasn't divine. He he was human. He wasn't the Christ. And I'm I'm guessing he wondered why this had to be the process. But if you read the book of Psalms, and that's why I love the book of Psalms so much, because you actually get to hear the heart of one of the greatest Bible characters. And it seemed like he trusted God in the process. I'm guessing he had to know the story of Joseph. And if you don't know the story of Joseph, go to Genesis. It starts in about 37, I think, and it goes all the way through 50. And it's a great story about a guy that's kidnapped and goes in and, and has to go to prison and all this other stuff. And at the end, there's a famine, and then all of his brothers show up, and, and, and he says this to his brothers in verse uh, 50, 20. He says, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. That, that's how God works, man. Like his process, if you've been serving God longer than a weekend, you've probably asked God, what are you doing? Yeah. Who's ever asked God that? Yeah. I'm like, man, I ask that a lot because I can't seem to figure it out. Think back to David, he had chances to kill Saul and he didn't. It shows his trust in God's process that God would take care of Saul. He didn't have to put it in his own hands. Again, this day and age, people are like, dude, knock that guy out. You're king. Easy peasy. Like, you're good. He'd be like, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to trust that God knows what he is doing. Psalm 20, 6 and 7. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving strength of his right hand. Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Deuteronomy chapter 8. See, what's interesting, if if you would read your Bibles, you would know so much more about what the Bible says. Yesterday was man up. If you missed it, we missed you. If you don't get texts from me, get me your phone number so I can send it to you. We talked yesterday at man up about how we want to be a church where the men read their Bible every single day. That's just what we do, man. We're men that read the Bible every single day. And, and, and so I'm, I'm sending out, I, and most of you probably got the text this morning from my morning reading. Um, when, when you read your Bible all the time, you begin to understand more about how God works. Yeah. But if you don't read your Bible, you're like, why am I going through this? 
These stories were written to encourage you so that you might have endurance in the faith. Read it, man, over and over. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse, uh, let's, 2, verse 2. And you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you and test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. When you understand waiting, you understand the process by which God does stuff in waiting. He humbles us. He allows us to hunger. He, he, he pulls things out of our lives and lets us go through difficult moments and says, you want, let's, let's see how you do when things aren't going fantastic. Will you serve me? Will you submit to me? Will you follow my commandments? And many of us go through things when all cares cast to the wind. And many times people, they always say, oh, they pull away from God and they say, oh, I've just been going through some stuff. We're all going through stuff, man. And if you've given your life to Jesus and you say, God, do what you will with my life. And then you go before him and God says, did you mean it when you said it? Because I got some stuff that's going to refine you. I'm going to bring you through this process. I'm going to do something in your life. Are you, are you allowing the Lord to hunger you? Are you allowing him to humble you in waiting? See, David let it have its work. People will say, well, I want a life like people in the Bible, but they don't want to go through what the Bible people had to go through. Don't worry about the process. Embrace it. Say, Lord, I'm not exactly sure why or how or what this is going on, God, but I'm going to hold on to your throne. I'm going to hold on to your word. I'm going to embrace the process. We go through something so small and it darn near breaks us. And when we read people in the Bible and we look down our righteous nose at them, when the reality is, is that most of us, if we were in the Bible, would have created a golden calf and made a new religion. That's just what we would have done, man. I'm tired of Moses coming down with me. I mean, get your rings off. Let's, let's create our own God. Let's do, we don't need this guy. We're going to do it our way. People create theologies that demand immediate moves of God that require them no pain. That's for somebody. People create theologies that demand immediate moves of God that require them no pain. Have you read the book? This whole thing is about pain and suffering and waiting and faith. And most of us, if we were honest, a lot of the stuff we go through is really not that hard. It's really not that hard. Car's not working. I ran out of the good food at the end of the month. Get a bag of rice, 25 pounds for like seven bucks. I want steak. Steak's at the beginning of the month. End of the month is rice and hamburger. Maybe some beans. Romans 5, 34, and this is speaking directly to your rice and beans. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance perseverance, character and character hope. Embrace the process. Say, Lord, I'm not sure what you're doing here, but I embrace it. 
Now, I, I don't know, how, you probably have stories in your life of how you had to wait and go through stuff. I only have my handful of stories that I repeat every few years. You know, when Crystal and I and Jay and Shelley started this church uh, 16 years ago, I mean, there were six adults and four kids, and we met in the school, and, and man, and I'm not trying to paint it anything less than it was. Man, it was hard. I, I just can't describe to you how hard it was. I had a full-time job where I was working 50 to 60 hours a week, and then trying to grow a church on the side with like 20 whatever hours a week. I, I had to get 30 hours out of 24-hour days for like four and a half years. <laughs> And it, it was hard. It was really, really hard. I mean, we wanted to quit. We wanted to give up. Um, it, it literally, and I don't even say it as hyperbole, like it, it literally almost cost Crystal and I our marriage um, with health concerns. And we got, I mean, we're literally doing all this while our kids are in diapers. Because we're just like, man, we want to honor you, God. And, and I'm a man of big faith. So I figured like, you know, first week, one person, second week, 100. Like that's just how it rolls. <laughs> And after a few years of just like 20, 25 people, like, it's like, God, why am I doing this, man? Like, this is hard and there's no fruit and we're just doing this, whatever. And God's just like, well, why are you doing this, man? Are you doing this for you? Are you doing this because, you know, you want a big church? Are you doing this because I called you to do it? Let's, let's let you go through this and let you cry out. Let's break your will to live and see whether or not you'll still do this. It's the process. But in that moment, I was just like, come on, God, wouldn't this be a whole lot easier if this was fixed and I didn't have to work an extra job and whatever? And, and that's why now as I'm a full-time pastor, I work those 50, 60 hours weeks because I'm just so thankful that I don't have anything else to do except be focused on the ministry of the kingdom. But if I, but if I hadn't gone through that, I couldn't appreciate what God had given me. It's like when we're so passionate about this building. Why? Because we were in a warehouse for 11 years. 11 years with posts down the middle and a toilet in the back. Seven and a half foot ceilings. I literally, first Christmas Eve, I'm preaching and someone got up to use the toilet in the front of the church. Big sideways church. The to- I'm sitting there at the dark preaching about Jesus. This dude walks up, goes in the bathroom. It's like an industrial toilet. It's like, caca whoosh. Right? <laughs> And I'm like, oh my gosh. And then someone sat there and goes, oh, that's where it is. So then it just started this line in the middle of the preaching. Dude, you go through something like that and you're like, let's keep this building. I don't want to go back. Psalm 37, 34, wait on the Lord and keep his way and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. David didn't know the timeline. He didn't know the process. Oh, I get, this is the one I get most excited about is he didn't know the outcome. He didn't know the outcome. See, David was the seed of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And he may not have known it immediately. He was just faithful to what God had put in front of him. Kill a lion. Okay. Kill a bear. Sounds good. Fight Goliath. I'm in. He didn't have this mindset of like, I've got to live and I've got to become king because my line uh, a thousand years later is going to be the line of the Messiah. He didn't know the outcome of his faithfulness. He was just faithful to what God had put in front of him, not caring about the outcome. Just being faithful to what God had put in front of him. Sitting out in a field watching a bunch of sheep singing songs for years. God, what are you going to do with my life? Why am I out here with these sheep? 
one day Samuel comes along and anoints him as king, and then he's pursued, and then he's crowned. But he didn't know that the ultimate end of his life, of his line, was that the Messiah would come through his bloodline. The Savior of the universe, the Son of David, a thousand years later, Christ the Lord. 2 Samuel 7, 12, we'll get to this in a few weeks. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. God used David to bring about the ultimate reign and kingdom of Jesus Christ. Again, like people talk about the Bible without understanding the Bible. The biggest theme that Jesus talked about was kingdom. He talked about it more than anything. Jesus, reigning king, kingdom. David, reigning king, kingdom. David being faithful to what God had put in front of him, not understanding that it was ushering in the kingdom of the ultimate king, not just of Israel, but of the world. He just kept his eye on, on God, on Yahweh, waiting and leading and trusting, doing what he was called to do. Same as in Isaiah 25, 9, and it will be said in that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him, and he will save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. We will be glad and rejoice in his salvation. See, many in the Old Testament spoke and prophesied about the coming Christ without knowing the outcome. And, 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 and give, give me a little leeway here for a minute. I get really upset with people that complain about being American. Like, I... Go some other place for a year and then come back and be, oh, we're living in these times and, oh, uh, leaders this and leaders that and blah, blah, blah. Can you imagine being in, in modern uh, historical Israel where the kingdom's divided and, and you're sending your young men out to war to die with swords and all this other stuff and, and, and you're waiting for deliverance? Saying, where's our king? Where, where's our protection? Where, when are we going to have this type of life? And then you're living under, you know, Old Testament law and sacrificial systems and all these other things. And, and, and then we had people of our faith that waited thousands of years for deliverance. And we live in the right now Jesus delivered us and saved us and set us free. And it's not enough for some people. Really? Like, I, I just don't get it, man. I just don't get it at all because we're living in, and, and they're not the greatest times politically and socially, and I wish people would hold doors open and drive nicer. I get that. But we're living in the age of redemption. We're living in the age of forgiveness where the Holy Spirit still speaks and the Holy Spirit still moves. We have the fellowship of the saints. Uh, spiritually, we're living in the greatest times possible. You may be living in the time that you see Christ's return. Yeah. Man, that would be so exciting. Why do we complain about what we're going through right now? Because we don't know the outcome. We need to just be faithful to what God has put in front of us. What does it mean to you, friend? You don't even know how God is going to use what you're going through to bring Him glory. You have no idea. Oh my gosh. I wish I could preach this morning. <laughs> Man, I wish I could preach this morning. Well, because I want to use people's lives as an example, but I, I don't like to do that without talking to them about it. But... There's people that go through stuff in this church that exemplify Christian character every single day. Stuff that some of us have never had to go through and they walk through it with, with poise and, and submission to God as a living testimony. 
And when they walk through those things, you don't even know the outcome of what you're walking through and the lives that it's affecting. You don't know people that kept serving God because of you. You don't know people that's, that, that, that turned back to God because of you. You may not see the outcomes of your physical and spiritual life until long after you've passed through what you're going through. You just have to walk through it, man. You know, in college, uh, my, my college roommate, I remember he... Uh, he came back from a family camping trip. Now, I, I don't understand camping. Um, we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a home we want to get away from. We even buy extra homes. We pull behind our trucks so we can have all the creature comforts of our home, and we call it camping. Crystal always says, why would I want to go camping? It's everything I have to do at home, just more difficult. This is for somebody this morning. <laughs> Team Crutunis goes camping at the Motel 6. It's like $75 a night, fresh sheets, running water, no line at the shower with quarters waiting for hot water. Oh, it's so bad. Some of you campers are like, that's it. I'm not going to let him slam on camping. Blech. Camping, yuck. Anyway, that's a different story. Um, my point of the story is this. Sorry, I'll get off on. My friend goes camping with his family, and I was telling him about it, and, and or he was telling me about it. I said, "Oh man, what was it like?" He goes, "Oh, it was so great." He said, "Our whole family's there, and we worship, and we preach, and we just fellowship together." I was like, "How many people?" He's like, "Ah, oh, it's like forty or fifty of us." I was like, "That's what people do when they're camping." You know, because I, when I was growing up, and people go camping in high school and college. It was like, you go get drunk and you fight people in the woods. Like, that's... <laughs> these people out here having a worship service. And it's just baffling to me. And I was like, how does this happen? I said, is your whole family Christian? He's like, yeah, man, we're all Christians. I said, how long has it been like that? And he goes, well, it actually happened about 40, 50 years ago. He goes, when my grandpa got saved. Wow. I said, Really? He said, yeah, he said, grandpa got saved and then everybody got saved. And then our family line just became a whole family of saved people. I said, was grandpa the camping trip? He said, nope. He said, grandpa died decades ago because grandpa never saw the outcome of his faithfulness. He never saw it. He was just faithful what God put in front of him. God said, I saved you, save your family. So he saved his family. And his family tree just spread into a, a great lineage of Christian people because he was faithful to what God had put in front of him. Friend, you must trust the Lord during these times, understanding that he is working something. 1 Corinthians 2.9, But as it is written, I has not seen nor heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. This week is Christmas. We celebrate the arrival of Jesus, the advent, the arrival of Jesus. And, and, and I'm going to close with this little, little thing here, and then we'll get out of here. In Luke chapter 2, and, and you guys ever read your Bibles, and then something comes off, and you're like, God, how did you hide that in there? Because yeah. you'd read it so many times. You're like, I've read Luke chapter 2 many times, and maybe I just read fast because I want to get to the next part instead of slowing down. I saw this part in there this week, Luke chapter 2. And if you've already read this a hundred times, just work with me, okay? Luke chapter 2. 
And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. This guy was given a promise. And his promise was, you will not see death until you see the Lord's Christ. And, 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 and we gla- I, I glazed past that story many times. I just thought about that. And I thought, man, they don't tell us how long Simeon lived. They don't say what he had to go through. But he just had a promise that he would not die before he saw the Lord Jesus. That was a promise that he was given. And, and, and the, 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 the Bible is very clear to us. And Luke does a good job to show us how this guy lived while he was waiting. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem, his name was Simeon, uh, and this man was just, he was devout and waiting. Just, devout, and waiting. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Here's what I do know, friend is that God is a God that works all things together for good for those that love him that are called according to his purpose. It's one of the greatest promises of scripture. You may not know the outcome of what you're going through. You may not know the timeline. You may not know the process. But the outcome of it is that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God will use it. And you just have to walk through it being faithful, being devout, and waiting. That's all you have to do. Devout, just, and waiting. God used Simeon and he didn't know. God used David and he didn't know. And God will use you. James 5, 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes and you bow your heads? We always end our services with asking people if they would like to become a Christian. We had a salvation first service. We serve a God that saves. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, or even if you know Jesus, but you've never given your life to him, you've known the truth, and, and, and you may have even been at this church for a long time, and you hear this call, and you're like, man, everybody's going to know that I wasn't a Christian before today. <laughs> Listen, the most important thing is that God knew you weren't a Christian before today. <clears throat> Who cares about us? But I want to give you an opportunity to make a decision to say that today is the day. Today's the day I turn from death to life. Today is the day when I stopped serving the world and I started serving Jesus. I was forgiven of my sins and converted and given new life. And if you've never made that decision before, if you've never said, today I want to become a Christian, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Is there anybody that needs to make that declaration for the first time? We want to pray with you. this moment thank you God now maybe you've just been far from God maybe maybe you knew the truth you're raised in it or, 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 or you walked with God for a while but now you've walked away and you've asked yourself say man how do I get back how do I go back to where I was friend just turn around Jesus is right there I've said it many times he loved you when you were his enemy how much more so now that he calls you son or daughter need to come back to Jesus today and you'd like some prayer for that, would you raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to rededicate my life to Jesus this morning. Is there anybody that needs to do that? Hand held high. Thank you, Jesus. 
this word was for you this morning. Worried about the timeline, worried about the process, worried about the outcome. God knows what he's doing even when we don't. Father, we submit to your timeline this morning, God. Father, we submit to your process and we hope for your outcome because we know that you do good things with our lives, God. Father, we will be faithful to you and you alone. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up. Remember this Tuesday, Christmas Eve over at um, City Hall?